Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina. If you follow my ministry, you know I am passionate about reviving and uniting the body of Christ in order to fulfill the Great Commission with extravagant love for one another and for a hurting world. I invite you today to join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and best of all, your testimonies of God's goodness in your lives. Thank you for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. I've been really praying and thinking about what the Lord would have me share with you, and we're going to have some awesome things coming up. So I, I want you guys to be on the lookout for an interview coming up with Pastor Allie Tyler called Pivot. And I'm really excited about this conversation. We're going to talk about the new things that the Lord is doing right now and and what it takes to really pivot and change and step into what he's called you. A lot of people are going through some changes right now and what the Lord is asking them to do. And it requires courage and faith. And I think that's going to be a real encouragement to you guys. So be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. Today, I wanted to talk to you about the grace of God and how it unites. It's such a beautiful topic. You know, I love the new covenant. I'm a new covenant preacher and teacher. I am completely committed to the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, and the character of Jesus. I love to expound the scriptures um, based on the new covenant. And if you start following my ministry, I love to make sure that scriptures are given in context, and I love to give you a line upon line. So oftentimes I will put in probably 10 scriptures because I think, you know, we have a responsibility as preachers and teachers uh, when we're teaching something biblical. I believe that we should give ample uh, biblical proof for it. And you know, one of my pet peeves is when people take um, a concept and they try to back it up with two or three Bible verses and that's it. And I, I really don't like that because I really don't like deception. That's how we get taken advantage of when we don't read things in context, when we don't rightly divide the word of God. And I don't like that. Um, not because I'm a stickler or anything like that, but because that's what puts people in bondage. That's how we get um, deceived into erroneous teachings and things like that. So if you listen to me, I hope that you like the Word of God because I'm going to give you a lot of it. And I hope that's okay with you. It should be okay with you. You know, it's just my personal opinion and how I feel. And, and I really care about people. I want to see people prospering and I want to see them walking in the truth and I want to see them, you know, living their best life here with Jesus that they possibly can in this side of heaven. Today's topic, how the grace of God unites. You know, I see God doing incredible things all over the world. There's such beauty in his body. I love that in all of our different forms, from the bushes of Africa to the slums of India, 
the streets of Europe and Americas, you know, we are seeing God do incredible things. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the power of the body of Christ. I see great ability and resources, which is why I do what I do in ministry, which is why I bring together the members of the body of Christ. And I have each person do what they already do well. And uh, I think it's beautiful the way that we come together and bring something to the table. You know, the Bible says that Christ himself will give the entire body, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service until we are all built up into the fullness of the measure of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there of every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. And that is from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I love that the Lord Jesus cares about his body. And one way that we see him caring for his body is in the giving of apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, and the such until we are doing those works. But I see a lot of other things among the body of Christ. I see division and strife. And I believe one of the reasons we see such division in the church is because we have not fully understood the new covenant of grace and have allowed it to become mixed with the law. The Lord Jesus, he has given all of himself, his very body, his very blood, his very life, laying it down and taking it back up again. You know, the division and strife, sometimes it chases people away that the Holy Spirit has drawn near. Uh, because we haven't fully understood the gift of righteousness and really what Christ has done for us. I love in Romans 5, 6, the Bible says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. For though a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And again, that's Romans 5, 6 through 10. So here we see Christ dying for us before we even had a chance to repent. And guys, repentance is simple. Our first repentance is actually a repentance towards God. And what I mean by that is that we are no longer thinking evil of God. You see, we were enemies in our own minds. And really, that's what repentance is for. Repentance is actually for our benefit. It's not for the benefit of God. 
you know, and some people feel, some people think repentance is beating yourself up and sorrow and fasting and mourning and, and, and all of those things. And really that's not the truth. Repentance is changing our minds. And like I said, our first repentance is changing our minds about God. So God died for us before we even had a chance to say, I'm sorry. Before we even had a chance to turn and say, you know what? That's really not working for me. I'm going to do something different. Before we even had an opportunity to turn from evil and turn to good. So we repent towards thinking evil about God. And when we do that, we see we see that it's really not dependent upon our good works. It's really dependent upon the goodness of God. The Bible makes it very clear that all are worthy based on the finished work of Jesus to draw near. Our sin, our sickness, our weakness, faults, and failures did not stop Jesus from giving his life for all those who would turn to him. Unfortunately, it seems as though the body of Christ, there's been allowed this mixture of law and grace, and it's allowed this self-righteousness to seep in. And I see people in the body of Christ, and they are demanding righteousness from people who are incapable of supplying it. It seems that they have forgotten that they too were once sinners, only justified by the grace of God. The Apostle Paul addresses the believers in Galatia who were being taught this false gospel. They had found freedom in the cross of Christ, but now they were being taught that they must keep the law to be holy. And Paul admonishes them in love. He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Calling them foolish to think that they could start with the Spirit of God given only to believers and then attempt to keep the law for justification of righteousness? In Galatians 1, 6-7, Paul says, I am astonished that you so quickly are deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of God and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. We are only justified and made righteous by faith in the one who kept the law on our behalf. Believer of God, you are now dead to the law so that you might live for God. You cannot live for the law and live for God. You must consider yourself dead to the law and alive to God's spirit and be led by his promptings to be called a son or a daughter of God. Galatians 2, 14 through 21. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow, follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. For though the law I died, 
I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be attained through the law, Christ died for nothing. That is Galatians 2, 14 through 21. And unfortunately, I see believers fighting for holiness and demanding it from sinfully bankrupt men. And that's not even something God does. He knows that we have no ability to help ourselves. And that's why Jesus became the propitiation for our sin. And he supplies us with the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness comes based on the belief in the work of Jesus. This is why we are called believers. We believe that what Jesus has done is enough to satisfy the justice of God and therefore has released the righteousness of God for all those who believe. I love that the Apostle Paul states that the true gospel of grace is the revelation of God's righteousness and not ours. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Paul goes on to state in Romans 1, 16-17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And guys, this is how the gospel should be revealed in our everyday lives, from faith to faith. And just a real quick practical application of what that looks like. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're having a great day, something happens, and you know, you do something that you don't want to do. So right there in that moment is your test of faith. You know that you just messed up. But what you can do right there in that moment is you can refuse to accept condemnation. And you can look to God and you can say, Thank you, God, that I am already forgiven. And I still declare myself the righteousness of God. And I receive the abundance of grace right here, right now. And and when we do that, We don't allow the enemy to come in with condemnation. We don't allow the enemy to bring us under the law. And this is what it means. The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith in our everyday lives. Many in the church have been sold today what I refer to as a laced gospel. And it is the gospel of grace mixed with the old covenant of the Mosaic law. And whenever you introduce the law, you bring death. The Bible boldly declares that as as many as are of the works of the law are under its curse. Did you catch that? It's not keeping the law, which no one can do, by the way. It's the act of keeping the law itself. The greatest epitome of self-righteous 
It's saying, I can follow all of God's holy standards, and I don't need a Savior. Galatians 3.10 For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. The Apostle Paul tells the deceived members of the Galatian church that if achieving holiness came through keeping the law, then Christ died in vain. This is where the finished work of Christ becomes of no effect. And what a terrible thing that is, to have the work of our beloved Jesus have no effect in our lives. Self-righteousness is a slap in the face to the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, and the kindness of our Father. Galatians 2, 19-21 For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Guys, it's imperative that Christ has not died for nothing in our lives. We are desperate for the work of Christ I don't know about you, but I need a Savior every single day. I need His keeping power. I need His protection. I need His healing. I need His provision. I cannot afford to have Christ have died in vain in my life. And truthfully, neither can you. Believer, do not become like the foolish Galatians who allowed the grace of God to be mixed with what was old in passing away. For God himself found fault with the old covenant, and he bluntly says he will establish a new covenant, one based upon his beloved son. But in fact, the ministry of Jesus is superior, for God himself found fault with the old covenant, and bluntly says, he will establish a new covenant, one based upon his beloved Son. Hebrews 8, 6-13 But in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant, of which he is mediator, is superior to the old, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, I turned away from them, declares the Lord. 
This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because all will know me from the least to the greatest. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. That's Hebrews 8, 6-13. Guys, remember, we need to adopt the mindset of where God currently is. That is a picture of true humility. Humility takes what the hand of God gives. And self-righteousness says, I can do it on my own. Beloved, I would encourage you today to take what God has given you and see the blessings of unity, provision, and healing flow in your lives just as surely as the blood of Jesus flowed from the cross of Calvary. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends. If you want more information on our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. We've got information on there about our events, blog posts, the Extravagant Love Store, and more. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Christina Pereira Ministries. Until then, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless you.